This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our Daily Dose podcast, covering all about day-to-day global affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. Hello, and a very good evening to everyone who is joining us from Sydney and around the world. On behalf of the Ultimate Global Podcast, I would like to welcome you all to today's uh, Gandhi Jayanti celebration, which is in collaboration with UNSW Sydney. And I would like to thank everyone, including UNSW, for coming together for this particular collaboration and uh, making this event a big event for us and reaching out to a larger audience. And I'm sure that you will get a lot of uh, things to take away from this particular session. Uh, before we begin today's session, I would also like to uh, showcase you some pictures from today morning where Professor Jayashree Ravi Shankar had uh, been involved in the garlanding of the Gandhi's burst at UNSW Sydney. These are some of the pictures from early morning where Professor Jayashree had, uh, along with Dr. Neville, had visited the Gandhi's burst in the UNSW campus, which has now been there for around 12 years on campus. And I will be passing it on to Professor Jeshree, where she will explain you more about uh, this thing and she will take you through the other things of the event as well. Thank you, Saurabh. Good evening, everyone. I first offer my acknowledgement to the traditional custodians of the various lands in which you are all participating in this virtual event. Greetings to everyone gathered here on the occasion of Gandhi Jainti. Special welcome to the members of the Office of the Council General of India in Sydney, UNSW India Country Director and former Consulate General of India in Sydney, Mr. Amit Dasgupta, our special guest of honor, Dr. Neville Roach, who was a patron of the Australia India Institute at UNSW, was an officer of the Order of Australia in 2000, and the recipient of the Praveshi Bharatiya Saman Award, which is India's highest honor for overseas Indians from the President of India. A pleasure to welcome you, sir. It is also our pleasure to welcome the Ultimate Global Podcast co-founder, George Mavros, students contributing to the panel discussion today, all members of UNSW staff and students, members from other universities and all others who are watching this event live. I heartily welcome you all to celebrate this momentous day along with us. Today is the 152nd birth anniversary of Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi, who is also famously referred to as Mahatma Gandhi. We celebrate this day with great enthusiasm every year to pay tribute to the father of the nation. Due to the pandemic last year and this year, we have gone virtual. Gandhiji was the man of simple living and high thinking. He devoted his life in working towards spreading awareness about the importance of equality, peace, and harmony. His principles and values still hold a great value today, and we are here to revisit the principles through which he led his life. The program today includes video messages by UNSW Vice Chancellor, Professor Ian Jacobs, and the Council General of India in Sydney, Mr. Manish Gupta. 
Inaugural address by Mr. Amit Das Gupta. Special address by Dr. Nivan Roach. Panel discussion on the relevance of Gandhian values in the 21st century and musical tributes to Gandhiji. I now request Saurav Kora, who is an UNSW Business School student, also the CEO and co-founder of Ultimate Global Podcast, to host this event. Over to you, Saurav. Thank you so much, Professor Jayashree, for those um, wonderful remarks and, uh, you know, taking us through the basics of the event now and running through the run sheet for the audience. Uh, to for, so firstly, we are going to begin with the welcome remarks coming from the President and Vice Chancellor of UNSW Sydney, Professor Ian Jacobs. Um, and after that, we will also play the message from the His Excellency Consular General of India to Sydney, Mr. Manish Gupta. Um, and after that, I will pass it on to the former Consulate General and UNSW India Director Amit Das Gupta. So I will now be playing the welcome message which has been given to us by the UNSW Vice-Chancellor. Warm greetings to all on the occasion of Gandhi Jayanti. I acknowledge the Consul General Manish Gupta and Director of UNSW India Amit Das Gupta who will also be addressing you later today. And I thank the team from UNSW and Ultimate Global Podcast for bringing us together virtually for this celebration of a truly amazing life. I'm only sorry we cannot be together in person. It is a source of great pride for UNSW Sydney that a bronze sculpture of Mahatma Gandhi has a place of prominence on our campus. It's a constant reminder of Gandhi's commitment to humanity and to the importance of education in shaping a better world. It also symbolises the close relationship of our university with the New South Wales Indian community. We can only hope that the library lawn over which this great soul watches will once again be alive with the movement and sounds of our students who make up a vibrant, diverse community, our valued friends from India amongst them. There is no doubt the pandemic has challenged all of us these past 18 months, and it continues to do so. As divisions in global society have become more pronounced, there's never been a greater need for inspiration than right now. Mahatma Gandhi, a source of enormous wisdom and vision, can be that inspiration. His lessons of peace, racial equality, universal brother and sisterhood, and satyagraha, truth and firmness, are just as relevant today as when they were first taught. The values inherent in those lessons are what we commemorate each year as we mark the birth of Gandhi, and I hope will guide us through the time in between. I wish you all a very happy celebration of Gandhi Jayanti. Dear friends, faculty members, I am delighted to join you today on the occasion of Gandhi Jayanti, 
the birth anniversary of Mahatma Gandhi. We also celebrate this day globally as the International Day of Nonviolence. We have a proud association with the University of New South Wales. It holds a very special significance for us. The birth of Mahatma Gandhi was unveiled in this university more than a decade ago. It's indeed heartening for me that today we are organizing a panel discussion on this occasion. Mahatma Gandhi was a great visionary. India achieved its freedom under his leadership through two very unique instruments, truth and non-violence. India's freedom struggle inspired several countries in Asia and Africa who were emerging from the colonial Europe at that point of time. He was a man who practiced what he preached. His entire life embodies the importance of spirit, compassion, tolerance in our lives. Gandhiji was born in India, but he belongs to the entire humanity. He was a humanist, a pacifist, to the core. Martin Luther King Jr. had once said, if humanity is to progress, Gandhi is inescapable. We may ignore him at our own risk. As today humanity emerges from the dark shadows of the COVID pandemic, perhaps it is high time for all of us to self-reflect and prospect on our future way of life. Gandhian thoughts on the importance of sustainable development environment, sanitation, cleanliness are perhaps more relevant than ever before. Mahatma Gandhi had said, Earth provides enough for everyone's need, but not for everyone's greed. It is such a profound message. He was a person who was accustomed to a very simple way of life. He always believed that the means should always be as good as the end itself. Today, as the humanity faces an existential crisis due to climate change, perhaps it is high time for all of us to revisit his life and imbibe his principles. It is important that we live in perfect harmony with Mother Nature. It is also important for us to build resilience into our rural communities and make them self-sufficient. I look forward to a very engaging panel discussion today. I wish you all the best on this occasion. Thank you. Thank you so much to Professor Ian Jacobs, as well as to uh, the Consulate General of India to Sydney, Mr. Manish Gupta, for their wonderful words. And as Gandhi said, that there is, an, ev there is enough on this planet Earth for everyone's need, but not enough for anyone's greed. And what a wonderful uh, you know, human being he was. And he has been giving those lessons uh, which are still relevant. Some of those lessons are still relevant even in the 21st century. I will now be passing the floor on to the former Consulate General of India, Mr. Amit Das Gupta, who is also the current UNSW India Director, to speak a few words before we move to Dr. Nivel Roche. I'd like to begin by congratulating Professor Jayashree Ravi Shankar and Saurabh for having taken this extraordinary initiative to keep the commemoration of Mahatma Gandhi alive. I would also like to acknowledge the presence of His Excellency, the Consul General of India, the Honorable President 
and Vice-Chancellor of UNSW, all the faculty members and students who are attending and participating in this program. I would further like to acknowledge the presence of Neville Roach, who was the very first recipient of the Prabhasi Bharatiya Samman Award in Australia. Neville has played a strong and stellar role in the commemoration of the event since the very first year when the Gandhi bust was installed at the university campus library lawns. And if I remember correct, it was in the year 2011. Ten years have gone by, 11 in fact. And to hold this program year after year, despite the challenging pandemic, reflects in my view a commitment of all the students and the faculty. But it also reflects the commitment. So I'll start with Gandhiji's quote. So Gandhiji had once very simply, very humbly, had said, it always intrigues me how so many people derive so much pleasure from causing so much harm to so many of their brothers and sisters. I think what, what Gandhiji was trying to say was in the, that the kind of world we live in, and world is, of course, a very big word. The society, the external space that you and I inhabit. In this kind of a space, it is possible for us to work towards those facets of our life that improve human consciousness. And these are very simple things. It is like talking about tolerance, talking about love, talking about brotherhood, about nonviolence, about the ability to ask ourselves very deeply whether what we are doing would change and improve the life of the hungriest, most marginalized person we have met. I think these simple precepts, as Professor Ian Jacobs was saying, and so indeed the Honorable Consul General, these simple precepts are critical to human life, human civilization, and indeed our existence. The issue of the pandemic, for instance, what has amazed me is to be able to see the extraordinary manner in which doctors, nurses, paramedic staff, administrative staff in hospitals and elsewhere, whether these are government hospitals, whether this is a clinic in a rural area, the manner in which they have actually raised the game. You know, I know of doctors who have been sleeping on the floor, people who have just become mothers who have not seen their children for months on end. This extraordinary sacrifice, they actually don't see it as sacrifice. They see it as their duty, as part of the oath they have taken, and part 
of their inner spirit which says that it's our job to try and help whom we can. Do we always succeed in our endeavors? I don't think so. There are occasions when we fail, when we stumble. But I think what Gandhiji was trying to say in his own humble way was that unless you've tried, unless you've tried, you will never know. The whole issue of climate change with Manish raised about Gandhiji's saying, Gandhiji's thought actually, he said, you know, my life is my message. So it was not just, it was not just the thoughts that he left behind, but the fact that he lived a life in which every one of those thoughts was converted into action. And he said that the world has enough for everyone's need, but not enough for everyone's greed. And I think there is, there is a friend of mine, and I thought I'd mention this, who lives in Sydney. And he, he wrote a book which he gifted to me. And the title of that book has always moved me. The title is, How Much is Enough? How much is enough? When do we tell ourselves that I think I have enough? I don't need any more. That is a question that challenges many of us. Gandhiji's frugality was a testimony to his having decided he had enough. And I think, brothers and sisters, as this day goes by, one of the important messages perhaps that through the effort of Jayashree and Saurabh and the panel discussion is how do we internalize the thoughts of persons like Gandhiji? How do you internalize the thoughts of a person like Mother Teresa, Swami Vivekananda, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks? How do you, how do you internalize all this? How do we change the world that we live in? And should we remember great leaders only on their birth anniversary? I leave with you a thought that I was present when the bust uh, was installed on the Gandhi lawn, on the, on the UNSW lawns. And the architect who was making the pedestal, he and I had long conversations. He was a professor um, uh, at UNSW. And, and uh, he said that, you know, I've been reading Gandhiji's thoughts and his life because I didn't just want to design a pedestal. If you visit the bust, you will know better as to what I'm saying. He said that, to my mind, this was a person who never looked down on people. This was a human being who was frail, who was referred to by the British as the naked fakir. Um, this person, he tried to, to bring everyone together. So I don't want a pedestal where Gandhiji is looking down on the audience. If you visit the bust, you will find that the pedestal is at a lower level than, than you if you're standing up. If you're standing, that pedestal 
is a few inches lower. And when I had the bust installed, thanks to the government and the people of India, I remember that graduation had taken place. And it moved me to tears to watch students from UNSW, from Korea, from Vietnam, from Somalia, and from many other places standing around the bust, many with their arms around Gandhiji's bust, and getting photographed. That, for me, was a very, very moving sight. Gandhiji came from India. The installation of the bust, which is at UNSW, simply symbolizes that he now belongs to each and every one of you. Thank you very much. It's been a great honor and a great pleasure. And once again, my congratulations to Jayashri and to Saurabh for this initiative. My gratitude to Professor and President, Vice-Chancellor Ian Jacobs, to my friend Manish Gupta, Consul General of India, to the Honorable Neville Roach, and for all of you who are attending this program. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amit, sir. That was, you know, those were the amazing words that Gandhi spoke. Um, but before we move to the panel discussion, I would now invite Dr. Neville Roach to give the welcome message to the people who are listening to us today. Uh, I'd like to start by uh, welcoming my good friend, uh, Excellency Amit Das Gupta, Director uh, of UNSW India, India Country Director. Also, uh, if he is listening, His Excellency Manish Gupta, Consul General of India in Australia. Uh, Vice Chancellor Pro Professor Jacobs, if he is listening, a warm welcome to him as well. Uh, I'd like to congratulate uh, Associate Professor Jayashri Ravi Shankar, who has organized today's program, and Saurabh and partner for putting the technology together. I would really like to congratulate UNSW on being able to run this event in the midst of all the problems that attend, uh, uh, that we have as a result of the uh, pandemic. I think uh, Gandhi uh, faced many obstacles in his life and uh, he may have faced even pand pandemics like the flu and things like that, but he, no obstacles ever stopped him from achieving what he set out to achieve. He went ahead no matter what. And I guess UNSW today uh, is doing that, is exactly that. I'm, I can't imagine how difficult it has been for all of you, but Gandhi would have been proud uh, with your efforts. I would like to also pay tribute to my good friend Amit. Uh, I know he's a modest person and he doesn't want to publicize all that he himself has done, but I think I owe it to him and to all of you to know a bit more about his contribution. Um, Many of you will be unaware of the foundational role he played in what has led up to events like this. I was with him when he offered the vice chancellor then, Fred Hilmer, uh, the gift of the what this magnificent, beautiful, unbelievably beautiful bust uh, of the Mahatma. And Fred immediately accepted that. That is the first ever statue on this campus and the first Gandhi statue in New South Wales. 
and the rest, as they say, is history. The Mahatma has now been joined by two other apostles of peace, uh, Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King. Uh, I hope and I, I pray that uh, we will soon see them joined uh, by uh, an indigenous female leader uh, that would complete the quartet of great people that the whole that our country and the world owe so much to. Talking about indigenous leaders, uh, I should really have started by acknowledging the Bejigal people uh, of the Eora Nation, whose the whose land, who, who the sovereign nation on whose land today's event at UNSW is being held. Uh, Gandhi, as you know, was uh, somebody who loved and cared for disadvantaged people and his heart would have gone out to the indigenous people of Australia, who, of whom I think are among the most disadvantaged and the most, uh, uh, they have faced more problems uh, as a result of their nations being invaded and of all of us coming here to occupy their country. Uh, they they handle all this with the greatest of grace and good humor. They are really a remarkable people and Gandhi uh, would have loved them and he would have done everything he could to improve their lot in life. They deserve better and they've issued a wonderful statement called the Uluru Statement. I hope that all of you who are listening today will support the creation of voice that they have asked for in the Australian constitution. I look forward to hearing the remarks of the distinguished panel of speakers, uh, but I thought I should say a few words, some, somewhat repetitive of some of the things Amit has said, but uh, with a different accent. Uh, I thought I should say a few words on how very ordinary people like me can draw inspiration from the Mahatma, the, one of the greatest men who ever lived uh, and uh, whom, of whom uh, the other great man or other person who's among the greatest who've ever lived, uh, the, the great uh, Albert Einstein, who said of him uh, that the, ti the time will come uh, I'm sorry, I've got myself into a bit of bother. Um, yes, he said, generations to come will scarce believe that such a one as this ever in flesh and blood walked upon this earth. I'd like to say how a person of that eminence can inspire ordinary human beings like me in our daily lives. For me, the greatest inspiration of is his integrity, his commitment to the truth. He called his life story, my experiments with truth. His lifelong pursuit of satya or truth in Sanskrit and his fight for freedom was called satyagraha or truth force, the nonviolent movement that overcame the overwhelming armed strength of the British. We too, 
can aim to pursue truth in our daily lives and teach our children to do the same. We too can urge our government to, towards a non-violent approach in dealing with the real or imagined enemies that, that we currently seem to believe we have, instead of pursuing the mindless arm, the mindless arms uh, race, uh, which has just now gone nuclear. I realize, of course, that most of us are minor players and have very limited impact on matters of national and international import. But here, too, we can learn from Gandhi. When an Englishman said he approved of Gandhi's non-cooperation, but dreaded the consequences that may follow complete success, that is the evacuation of India by the British, Gandhi said, that of this gentleman, he conjures up before his mind a picture of India invaded by the Afghans from the Northeast, plundered by the Gurkhas from the hills. For me, I say with Cardinal Newman, who is a famous Catholic saint, I do not ask to see the distant scene one step enough for me. That captures, I think, the spirit that kept Gandhi going. It didn't matter how big the task was ahead of him. He focused on the next step. And I believe that when each of us feels overwhelmed by the enormity of the problems that we face in our daily lives, that our country faces, our community faces, we too can do what we can one step at a time. In today's connected world, we can be the tiny spark that lights a candle that helps dispel the gloom and potential doom that threatens us individually, threatens our family, threatens our institutions and our community and our nation. In closing, I should mention another of Gandhi's great uh, abilities or his great uh, his, the greatness of his nature i mentioned cardinal newman and gandhi that the fact that gandhi could talk about him and knew about him and and quote him highlights the fact that he was a searcher after truth and he tried to learn as much as he could from all religions and uh, he at his ashram hymns were sung and lead kindly light was one of those that was sung, but there was hymns uh, about from Islam, hymns from Hinduism, Jainism, uh, and Christianity. Uh, in fact, whichever religions uh, uh, you know have a presence in India or in the world, uh, that religious tolerance, I think, is something all of us can practice, uh, and all of us can do our best to to enhance. Uh, at present, uh, the world is again threatened by uh, religious animosity. Uh, we only, only got to see the horrible things that have happened in Afghanistan to realize how horrific things can be. But similar things are happening in different parts of the world where religious people are being persecuted, whether it's in Myanmar or China or anywhere else. We too can bring religious tolerance and bring up our children to respect every faith, no matter whether they practice any or, or, or more than one of them. Uh, once again, thank you very much for the honor of uh, 
having me speak uh, on this uh, very significant event. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Neville, for those wonderful and kind words. And before we begin with the panel discussion on the relevance of the Gandhian values in the 21st century, we have a short musical tribute from Ultimate Global Podcast, uh, where we will be showing you different quotes of Gandhi for two minutes. And in the background, we will also be playing a song, a native Indian song, which most of the people in India might be knowing for. And I can also translate that in English for you. The song says, Sabarmati ke sant tune kar diya kamal, which means in English that, O saint of Sabarmati, you gave us the freedom and you were responsible for making us independent from the colonial rule in the 20th century. So we will be listening to that for two minutes. And after that, we start off with the panel discussion on the relevance of the Gandhian values in the 21st century. Now to move to this interesting part of the panel discussion on the relevance of the Gandhian values in the 21st century, may I request the panel speakers to turn on their cameras and uh, to kickstart off this, this discussion, you know, I would like to ask George on this very important point that Dr. Neville also wrote. Uh, he talked about this religious tolerance and how we are missing out on this point of religious tolerance around the world, which Gandhiji valued a lot 
when he was alive and he respected all forms of religions and this very simple fact if practiced today can create a lot of difference in uh, various countries isn't it george um i think there's so many things so many things that gandhi has given the world um but this say so religious uh, tolerance yes but just tolerance just acceptance and more importantly which which should be viewed by many many people here do it without violence why can't we respect somebody else's point of view is it that damaging to us to allow somebody to have a different point of view and and um as you know sirab i do a lot of training and i do mindset training and gandhi is in every presentation i do because he's just a wealth of brilliant concepts and so his impact on on so many people has been fantastic but coming back to the religion part of it my dad who's who's a very wise gentleman now at the sprightly age of 90 years of age he said to me if all those that believe in their god weren't fighting everybody else that believed in their god and we actually all sat down and talked maybe god would get a lot more support and it's very very true and this is what gandhi was gandhi was sort of saying okay so you have a different view to me in your religious background let's be tolerant let's talk things through why and and so so yes um um but look you know i was delighted to be part of this because he's he's such a he's such a motivational person for me in my teachings to people and i never knew until today god bless you all i never knew he 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 instilled somewhere in me one of my things that i say to people when is enough enough i never knew that came from that was a gandhism um but i'm very proud that it is and it's something that i've talked to people for a long long time yeah yeah and i want to carry forward this discussion to two students who are also joining us from UNSW one uh, is kutsuf today he also joined us last year for a panel discussion on gandhi jayanti and he's currently an hdr student at UNSW and also shubham bad who is also quite proactive within the UNSW business school at the moment through his contributions on the faculty board of UNSW so Uh, i want to raise questions first to kutsav and the same question goes to shubham as well how relevant are the values of gandhi ji in today's era according to you so today's uh, see gandhian values are like um, eternal right so these values are applicable not just today uh, it it is like you know very much into the future as well so for example let's uh, say uh, talk of like Uh, peace and truth right so there is his uh, uh, famous saying about uh, finding inner peace finding the peace within right so now he often highlighted the importance of inner peace inner peace and uh, goes on to say that once you find that inner peace you should ensure that it is not affected by external uh, uh external influence any kind of external uh, circumstances now that is that is one truth that cannot be changed whether it is as an individual and then you can expand it to your family your friend circle and as a country say for example uh let's 
take an example of a country with varied demography like india right where you see uh, people from many religions in fact all religions uh, are existent in india right mm-hmm. various classes various sections uh, and if all of them ex- exist there they, co- they coexist of course there are few isolated issues but they coexist now the question is over lot of uh, i mean after lot of efforts and over long periods of time there is some kind of peace and equilibrium now do we allow external influence to disturb that peace becomes the question not just in india any other country any country right so one thing is to find inner peace and the other thing is to ensure that external circumstances should not affect the inner peace let it be if you take a family you have an equilibrium external uh, circumstances can change but that should not affect your internal dynamics so once you allow that then the peace is not sustainable for example 2016 uh, farc and colombia entered a peace agreement and by end of 2020 we are already talking of uh, uh, some issues uh, you know popping up again right so it is not uh, luckily it did not it not deteriorate much but uh, that is happening i believe because when you allow external factors or something else to come and uh, you know uh, disturb the peace so i think gandhian values uh, he said very simple words and uh, in a very simple way that humans can comprehend but the key thing is uh, it is effective uh, in today's world and also for like you know hundreds of years to come and pretty sure the same values if it is held then there is a better chance of a sustained peace and uh, a better way of coexistence Thanks. and i think the same question now also goes to uh, shubham as well considering the values that gandhi ji portrayed in terms of being self sufficient he also talked about women empowerment we are still talking about women empowerment unfortunately in countries like afghanistan um, we are still talking about being self sufficient we know that a lot of countries have learned this lesson you know because you are coming from a business background so a lot of countries have considered this lesson and taken this lesson during covid-19 pandemic how important it is for be uh, to be self sufficient uh, in even in this era of globalization isn't it shubham of course firstly costa uh, and john like you all raised amazing points uh, but now coming to the relevance of gandhian principles in today's era sarab when we talk about uh, self sustainability and uh, things like these more than ever it is required by everyone in the world look into gandhian principles from every light possible right when we talk about uh, sustainability again the thing comes when is enough enough when people are moving towards climate change like there's so much uh, talk about climate change that we do not really have time to act on it uh, we are using uh, solar energy wind power whatever it is that we are moving towards more of sustainability removing of plastic all these come from gandhi's principle as well when is enough enough now if you speak from a business point of view as well saurabh um, we are looking at a time when because of the pandemic the world is under serious recession right people are losing employment there's hardship that everyone is facing even the most developed countries in the world are at a really really high rate of unemployment now having said this there's a very important principle that gandhi focuses on which is called trusteeship right the wealthy taking care of the not so wealthy 
it talks about how the socially and economically well off people can actually help in contributing to the environment and to the countries everywhere now these things like i said are more than ever relevant now because we do not have time and i believe in the, a 1% rule right whatever we are whoever we are as small as we can we are okay we can always influence at least 1% of the crowd that we roam around uh, that we surround ourselves with and if that 1% can influence another 1% i think the world will be a much better place yeah. i think that's a wonderful point shivam which you are talking about 1% rule and it's about those baby steps that you take by influencing people around you and i think george also talks about this uh, effect of the ripple effect that a network can have when you mm-hmm. start to change you affect your network and when they start to change they affect their network and that's how that ripple effect goes forward but i want to also raise this question to george uh, which i think many of the critics also raised that many of the things that gandhi ji told uh, appear to be very simple to everyone but in real sense if you have to practice it in the 21st century it might be difficult for us to do that a lot of the things and maybe in the practical world it's not possible what do you have to say in that regard because if you talk about being tolerant having that religious tolerance being non violent or respecting others you know which most of the people have lost in the sense we can see what is happening in afghanistan what is happening around the world isn't it judge look is it easy probably not is it possible 100% 100% if if there are two people in a discussion that are both committed to coming up with an outcome anything is possible if the same two people are in a discussion and one is not prepared to have a good outcome nothing is possible and if you look at gandhi and you look at mother teresa you look at mandela you look at a number of these people their basic concept was start with one and if that person starts with one and if that person starts with one um please i hope people don't misunderstand what i'm saying here but covid has given us an example of what networking can really be all about you had 10 people infected and they infected 15 and they infected 25 and within a couple of weeks we're at 1000 people imagine if we could infect people with love imagine if we could infect people with tolerance imagine if you were prepared to be the second in the chain or the third imagine if you just said you know what i'm just going to have an impact on a couple of people Now Australia is very small in population by comparison to India. Very very small. But if every person that was in Australia just committed to impacting on two more people, 25 million people in Australia, that's not a bad place to start because that's another 50, that's 75 million, 6 degrees of separation, there's probably people in this room that are a lot quicker on their maths than me. we're talking about millions and millions and millions of people being infected in a good way but is it really that hard when we talk about equality 
And, you know, you, you, you talked about women empowerment and you mentioned Afghanistan. You don't have to leave the shores of Australia. You don't have to walk outside of the UN. The UN talked about, talked about and talked about equality for women. There was 194, I think, speakers at the UN and I think there was 18 women that spoke out of that 190 or 180. Somebody will have the right stats for me. But I'll guarantee you there wasn't more than 20 women and there wasn't less than 190 speakers in total. So where is the equality? Where is the empowerment? But we have to do something about that. Who's we? You, me, Shabam, Kusha. If we all started and everybody radiates out from that, it's not that hard. I, I don't accept that it's that hard. I just accept that a few people have to step up and do it because that'll infect the next one. Thanks. And also continuing with this argument, uh, George, what you just raised, you know, how important it is for us to spread that message of love and compassion in this, in this era. And that's why I really respect leaders like Mahatma Gandhi and also one of the um, Buddhist leaders, the 85th Dalai Lama. We all know about the, um, the preachings that he gives on compassion and love to the business leaders, to political leaders. And he wants to change the world through compassion. So that's where, you know, these kind of leaders motivate us. And also, I want to raise this question now to Kutsav, uh, related to this Sarab, factor of... Sarab, can I just interrupt for one second? Because you mentioned Dalai Lama on this topic. Dalai Lama, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Between him and Gandhiism, what more do you need? Sorry to interrupt. No, that's fine. Um, so I was just raising a question for Kutsav in the sense that violence has caused a lot of bloodshed in the last hundred years in terms of the world wars that we had, the civil wars that we had. And what Gandhiji also believed that involving violence in any kind of issue has got just the potential to deviate from the original issue and create further problems. Whereas if you involve yourself in non-violent methods, you have a chance to discuss and resolve a particular issue. How do you think this particular notion of resolving the conflict just through non-violence and discussion and negotiation and diplomacy plays an important role in the world today? Uh, the and of course all the audience, we all know what has uh, what Afghanistan has gone through, whether it is uh, in the past with Taliban or later on with the US and uh, NATO forces there, who went there with an idea of establishing democracy and uh, peace. And after two decades of continuous war, finally the forces has to withdraw. I'm not saying it's a victory for Taliban or the people of Afghanistan, but either it's a victory. So basically this is one point that proves very well that violence is not going to uh, bring in the change that you want to see. And at the same time, again, I mentioned uh, FARC in the past, uh, in, in, in the previous question, FARC in Colombia, you know, the far right rebels and uh, 
the government there had uh, decades of uh, you know internal violence going on civil wars going on and in 2016 they could achieve peace but of course uh, not yet proven sustainable but they could achieve it and continue with that peaceful process for four years and they could reach that place only through discussion where both parties wanted to solve issue like george said it's not possible with only one party willing to solve it and the other party still holding weapons so non violence is the only way that you can achieve sustained sustained peace but to achieve that through non violence we should also understand that it cannot be done in a one sided fashion it should be both sides that means uh, if both sides are not ready then a mediator is required unbiased mediator again uh, to make both side understand the value of peace and only then it is possible so those unbiased mediators can arise from the networks like what george george and uh, subhamar mentioned like how you can uh, infect people with love right with the thought of non violence and understand where the violence is stemming from okay and address the core issues focus on the core issues what are the sentiments that is being hurt and we should also understand that gandhi from gandhi's own life and his teachings he's he has never been a person who enforced his ideology on anyone else so very evident from his discussions with netaji netaji chose a, a slightly different path mahatma gandhi has a different view but gandhi never enforced his uh, you know views on netaji and netaji did not enforce his views on gandhi they both sat they both discussed and they both parted their ways in different directions but the issue again you know if they started enforcing each other's idea on uh, the other other person then again the conflict raises the question is resolving conflict not enforcing an ideology accepting uh, and also accepting uh to disagree right you can agree to disagree there there is always an option and you can come back to the negotiation table so this is something everyone should uh, know and another thing i wanted to mention is when we talk of non violence i think we are pretty much limiting the subject that non violence is on others but we should keep in mind violence unto oneself is also violence there are 800000 people as of 2017 statistics 800000 people who commit suicide uh, every year around the world that is one person every 40 seconds that is also violence so there also someone has to uh, help them out okay they they should uh, that that is another thing that every uh, i mean like you know huge organization great leaders should uh, look at not just violence between nations and ideologies and Uh, i will not get into it but i will leave the thought open uh, that non violence that gandhi has taught uh, gandhi always ensured that it accounts for animals welfare also not just humans his non violence always taken into is always uh, it always takes into account violence against animals which again um, uh, again it's a, it's not something achievable quick i mean really easily uh, it goes into personal habits and stuff but that was also something that he has spoken about Yep. So that's all I could I can say about non-violence here. Sorry, thanks. Thank you so much, good sir. Before I move to a final remark from all three of you, one last question, you know, for for Shubham, in fact, where it's not only about the non-violence that he preached. There were so many other things that can still be applied in today's world. One of the things was being perseverant. He showed during the India's freedom movement that how if you stick to what you are doing. 
you can achieve your goals and if every millennial or every person is listening to our show will realize that if they stick to their goals whatever goals they might have in their life their personal goals professional goals if they have the perseverance and the courage to stick to their goals they can achieve it this was one of them another one he focused was on the fact that be the change you want to see in the world i think we touched based upon this in the quotes as well so if you want to see and witness the change we see a lot of people in the millennial sector uh, who are baby boomers who just keep on shouting uh, that you know this is not happening in the right way this is not happening in the right way but they are not ready to do they are not ready to initiate that change so if you want to see that change be the change that you want to see in the world that is another lesson that he gave what do you think shubham um, on the basis of because you are also millennial i am also millennial putsav is also in that category sorry george for letting you out of that category <laughs> what do you consider shubham uh, in the future because we consider ourselves as the future of uh, the 21st century what do you consider can be the lessons we can take out of these things that gandhi ji taught us other than the non violence obviously that's all i'll uh, solve to address that i'll actually pick up something from what uh, gustav said he very subtly mentioned something about bias an unbiased mediator right subconsciously we all are biased people somehow and we are not aware of our own biases it can happen because the culture we come from from our backgrounds of our surroundings however it is we all have some biases that affect the decisions we take right and when we talk about things like persistence change being the change right it all comes from one simple thing empathy when you're empathetic towards other people when you're empathetic towards yourself that's when you will want to make those changes as well because when you are showing empathy you let go of that bias you let go of that something that was holding you back from bringing in that change so i believe if we can all spread a bit of empathy we will be moving towards a progressive change and like you said if we all have certain dreams we all have certain goals and to reach there we have to be persistent and to be persistent we need to let go of a lot of things once we can gather the courage to let go of the things that are not doing us good probably that's when we can move forward absolutely wonderful remarks um, shubham on that point i would now be passing on for a final remark from each of you um before we you know end this session and pass it on to professor jeshri to give the final word of thanks so starting off from george then kutsav and shubham what is one takeaway that people listening to us can take away from this particular panel discussion um i refuse to give one as you would expect as you would expect what they should take away is the need to actually visit and even if they think they've done it once or twice visit again what gandhism is all about and to think about how they put that into play um a couple of my teachings for my my clients and students if you want to move your body you have to move your mind first and that resonates with the gandhism another one of my teaching 
if everybody started to listen, to learn and gain understanding, not merely to draw a breath and then attack again, the world would be a better place. So I think what I want people to take away is the impact that that man has had right across many, many spectrums. And go and revisit and relearn about Gandhi. And, and one, of the, one of the comments that we are just getting from LinkedIn from uh, Pinkish Patel, he says that today's reality is that everyone wants change, but nobody wants to change. So, you know, that's the harsh reality we have, unfortunately, that we talk about changing ourselves. We talk about bringing that change. Even back in India, you know, uh, there, there was a great movement called the Swachh Bharat Abhiyan, started a couple of years back. And, uh, you know, though I'm 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 slight critique of the prime minister, but I always appreciate some good efforts also. Swachh Bharat Abhiyan was one of the good efforts, social movements started by any prime ministers. None of the prime ministers before took this initiative that if we talk about cleaning India, that can create a huge impact. And, you know, the current prime minister took that charge of raising it through his uh, political platforms, which I really appreciate because he knows that he has so many followers. And if he says something, all his followers will follow him. So I think, uh, but, but we, if we see the change, we have not seen a change in a lot of cities. It has started to certain level, but again, it needs to be at the next level if we have to make such changes in our society. Moving on to Kutsa. Uh, Saurav, uh, just before I go on with my comments, uh, final remarks, I just want to say uh, the Swachh Bharat mission, uh, yes, Prime Minister has brought it onto the national level, but we should also know that there have been uh, other political people like even Chandrababu Naidu back in 2000s, uh, there was, uh, you know, program started, Janmabhumi uh, kind of programs in Andhra Pradesh, where it was focused on cleaning and it is it was focused on uh, planting trees and stuff uh, with the government support, especially with the help of school children, uh, not just uh, uh, adults, uh, but just, uh, you know, high school children and students and all. So, yeah, there has been consistent efforts from different sections of uh, Indian uh, politics to get something, uh, you know, some social welfare done. And moving on, uh, again, there is not one takeaway that can be uh, given from this uh, panel, but what I'd suggest or what I'd say to the audience is there are few things, right? Like, I mean, from Gandhi's uh, way of saying, you have to respect, understand, accept, appreciate, and be compassionate. Now, again, I'd say it should all start with the self, from yourself, and then you can expand it to the near circle and then expand it. So first, all of us should try to respect and appreciate what we are blessed with, understand and accept, and then be compassionate to oneself so, so that you can avoid you know, being too rough on yourself and uh, leading to a lot of suicide tendencies or depression and all these activities. Then apply the same thing when you look at others. Appreciate what they are, accept what they are, understand them, respect their values and be compassionate to other people. And if each of us can do it with ourselves to immediate family and friends and then expand it to our colleagues and work area, then slowly, you know, uh, the world can change. But if you're not sincere to yourself, uh, if you're not uh, hoping for a change within, then you cannot expect uh, 
a big change to happen outside you yeah thanks you'll be passing on to shubham now for his final remarks i like george and kristaf uh, said that uh, we have so many things to take away from uh, just the gandhian principles or uh, the philosophy and everything that we've spoken but um, thinking about what he had done when he was there um, he got an entire country bapu got an entire country out of the colonialism and gave freedom to it of course there were other people involved in it there were hundreds of freedom fighters who were involved in it but then again one thing if you focus on it didn't happen overnight it did not happen overnight there were steps there were thousands of steps which were taken so if you want to take one thing away from this always remember never underestimate baby steps never underestimate it i'll leave that thank you so much shubham and with this we also come to an end to this panel discussion um and we are left with now two uh, exciting things one is a musical tribute to gandhi ji on his uh, favorite uh, song which he used to sing while he was alive in hindi that song uh, or in 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 his language the song means vaishnav janato tene kahiye which in english will be translated as one who is a vaishnav knows the pain of others does good to others without letting pride enter his mind so we will be going through that video where you can also see the actual footage of gandhi ji uh, when he was alive and thank you so much to all the panelists for being present today um and uh, we will be ending with that song and professor jashree's thank you note thank you so much to all the panelists thank you so much sir kale lok ma sahune vande sakale lok ma sahune vande काच मन निश्चल राखे धन धन जननी ते निरे वैष्णव जन तो ते निरे दृष्टि ने तृष्णा त्यागी समृष्टि ने तृष्णा त्यागी पर स्त्री जी मातरी पर स्त्री जी
everyone, it is my privilege to deliver this vote of thanks on this important occasion of Gandhiji's birth anniversary. On behalf of everyone here, I extend my heartfelt and sincere thanks to our Vice Chancellor and the Council General of India in Sydney for their video messages. A big thanks to you, Amit sir, for supporting this event and delivering the opening remarks. You touched on Gandhiji's quotes and how those simple precepts are critical to human life. Our deepest sense of appreciation also goes to you, sir, for initiating this idea of the virtual event last year and ensuring to continue to keep up this tradition. Thank you, sir, for your thoughtful guidance and for being available every time while organizing this program. It is my pleasure to thank our chief guest, Dr. Neville Roche, for his speech and sparing time to grace the occasion. Thank you, sir, for your inspiring thoughts of the Mahatma. The panel members are the crown of this program, Saurav, Shubham, Kutsav, and George. Your ideas and discussions flowed naturally, and we could see the deep connection you all have with Gandhiji's values and their relevance in the present world. I'm sure all of us learn more about Gandhiji, especially looking for a change within first before we wish to change outside. Well done, panelist. Thanks to Shaurav for immersing us in music with Gandhiji's quotes and his video footage. Events like this cannot happen overnight. The wheel started rolling a few weeks ago and we have been fortunate enough to be backed up by a team of motivated and dedicated students like Shaurav taking the lead, UNSW India team helping us with marketing the event and the ultimate global podcast, creating the live event options. Finally, the success of the event is mainly because of the participation of everyone present here. I cannot thank you all enough for joining this virtual event in spite of your increased screen time since last year. I would like to finish by this quote of Gandhiji. We may stumble and fall, but shall rise again. It should be enough if we did not run away from the battle. I'm sure these words of Gandhiji will inspire us to manage, especially at this time of the pandemic. Jai Hind.